Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on March the 4th, 2013. For newcomers, I always suggest at the beginning of the broadcast, run past you all the way through it, to make good use of the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and you'll see a, a list of sites listed. These are the official sites I have. They all carry free audios for download. Going into the histories of the big system you're born into, the big plans are made like business plans, sometimes 100 years in advance. As I show you the, the like the Royal Institute of International Affairs, the big foundations, and so on. These guys work on with their plans, regardless of governments and the changes in governments. The, the, some of these institutions, in fact, are set up with one goal, and they can take a hundred years or more to achieve it, so they can get their agendas through. So the world is run by a parallel government, as they refer to it themselves. In fact, a private organisation that runs the money. Everything else runs on money from the top down. Therefore, they run governments. They put their own guys into governments, in fact. They have their own professional historians because they have their own alternate history of the happenings and the whys and wherefores and so on of what's going on. So you're always guided through into the future. Uh, no one in power ever leaves uh, the future to to blind chance, basically. You've got to always direct the future to ensure themselves and their own offspring will be instilled in, in the governing classes running the world. And they have big, big plans, as I say. So help yourself to the website there and the free audios. Remember, too, you can get transcripts on those sites in English for print-up, and you can also go into Alan Watt Sentient, sentinel.eu, for transcripts in other languages. And you too are the audience that bring me to you, so remember, you can help me keep going if you want to by donating or buying the books and this at cuttingthroughthematrix.com because it's expensive doing what I do. And I've got a, a fortune to pay out shortly, I think, on uh, new equipment here to even get the transmission going properly. So, from the USD Canada, remember, you can still use uh, uh, personal checks or you can use international postal money orders. From the post office, you can use PayPal. Uh, or send cash even. And across the world, you've got Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. Once again, remember, straight donations are awfully welcome, but you can buy the books and the discs at cuttingthroughmatrix.com. But that's the, the big striking thing for a lot of people who break out of the conditioning. Uh, a lot of people do go through the same phases. Some break out of it when they get to that stage about the age of 18, 20, because uh, they've had incredible indoctrination at school. They think everything's real and natural simply because it exists that way. And they don't ask the right questions, of course. But once they get into the workforce and they find there's big pressures in the world, and if they work harder and harder, they ask certain questions. Some go, retreat back into their conditioning. Other ones try and go forward by getting information to find out why the world is going the way it's going. Why does everything they do right, all the right things, save their money, do all this, and so on. Why does it all end up getting devalued and they lose their homes, etc., etc.? And I, as I say, you have to go through the big business plan for that because the world has been brought in as a planned society. That's right down to population control to the extreme, to the extreme eventually. 
and mandatory too. And, and many articles have come out even in the recent last, well, the last year or so, more so from big top players, even meetings at the BBC on eugenics and so on, talking about bringing population down to get the right kind of labour for the next slave class. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix, talking about the big system, the big system we're born into, which we don't control and you'll find too that um, we expect fairness in the system. It's kind of crazy to expect fairness when you have no control over the system you're born into. And uh, really the world's been run for an awful long time by people at the top who, who literally are gangsters. But they're legal gangsters because they run the legal system at the top and they therefore take care of themselves like any mafia boss would basically. And you find some of them go on through centuries at the top and um, control the same things. And naturally, they're not going to give up any power. No one in power ever gives it up willingly. Just, just don't do it. You simply don't do it. That's just nature, human nature. But you find um, the old James Bond movies were quite comical, of course, and ridiculous. But they did show you that uh, you didn't worry so much about governments, so much as private, rich, and very, very rich individuals. They were more dangerous to the world because of the, the resources they could pull, the people they knew and many governments, in fact, across the world, and how they could manipulate the planets and, and so on for their own agendas. And it's always been like that, really. That's how it really runs. And the reason that you're expecting fairness is because you think you're living in democracies where you've got a say in what happens, and that there's nothing further from the truth. Uh, this, these kind of things, that, well, the article I'm going to read here, will never never change because it's because the guys at the top aren't going to make the laws that will send them to prison or to investigate what they're up to. And there's one here on Rothschild now of Britain, and it says he loses a libel case and reveals a secret world of money and politics. And it says, thanks to the billionaire's legal battle, we now know a little more about how the super rich work. And they talk about um, what I mentioned last year. It says that he and Lord Mandelson, Lord Mandelson of the British government too, who's also at the time, he was the head guy for the European Commission. In other words, all the cash and all the big business that went through and all the laws to do with business went through him. Lord Mandelson uh, was taken off by Rothschild to Russia to meet another guy who was a big billionaire, a big uh, aluminum, aluminium, they call it in Britain, uh, owner of many, owns many plants. And it was to do with the fact that it was this quite, quite kosher, basically. And of course, most would say, no, no, it's all wrong. But this is how it really works. This is how it really works at the top. But it, it says that, um, according to the High Court, Nathaniel Rothschild, the sign of the banking dynasty and friend of seemingly everyone in the spheres of finance, business and politics, is indeed the puppet master to Baron of Hartlepool and Foy, which is Lord Man- Mandelson. This is the banker and Bullingdon boy, the Bullingdon Club is of course the big posh club they have at the university, has lost his libel case against the Daily Mail, which he sued for substantial damages over his accounts of his and Mr. Mandelson's extraordinary trip to Russia in January 2005. Mr. Rothschild claimed he was subjected to sustained and unjustified attacks on the May 2010 article, which betrayed him as a puppet master dangling his friend Lord Mandelson in front of the Russian oligarch Oleg Deripaska to ease the passage of colossal business deals. 
says Messrs Rothschild and Mandelson's Russian trip would certainly have made entertaining viewing, but maybe not for Thunderbird fans. Nobody needed rescuing, that's for certain, it says. It began with Mr. Rothschild's private jet from the World Economic Forum in Davos, Moscow, where they met Mr. Deripasco. The aluminum plant manager became the richest oligarch of them all and continued on Mr. Deripasco's private jet to his chalet in Siberia, where, according to Rothschild, to beat the jet lag, they were whipped with birch leaves with apparently a young guy, which they were kind of fond of, before plunging themselves into icy water, a traditional Siberian banya. That's the excuse they made for this. It says, less salacious but seemingly more sordid was an earlier dinner at Cantonetta and Tinori, a fashionable Tuscan restaurant in Moscow. Mr. Deripaska, the male had claimed, was dining with executives from the U.S. aluminium giant Alcoa, negotiating a £250 million deal to buy two of Mr. Deripaska's aluminium plants at which, uh, at which a, a stumbling block with the EU the EU Union or government import tariff from Russian aluminum. It says, enter Lord Mandelson, then who was a lowly minister, politician, but at the time he was a high uh, EU trade commissioner. All deals went through him. So here's a, a private banker can grab the British government's top EU trade commissioner and whisk him off to, to do a private deal. It says the deal is done and it costs several hundred British jobs and then the tariffs come down so this deal could go through. I'll put this article up tonight, but it shows you how they, they met in different places and jets and the private yachts and all the rest of it. And it's not just uh, Mandelson that was involved. Uh, you've still got other ones who are still in the British government, who, like George Osborne, uh, who also meets met them on the, at the private villa and so on and so on and so on, and, and in the yacht as well. So yet they've got this standard James Bond stuff going on where real deals are made by private individuals who just borrow the top politicians who are in charge of either the, the treasury or, 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 or trade deals for, for that country and the rest of the world. I'll just borrow this guy and take him with me for a little meal. And that's how big deals are really done. That's how it's done, folk. And we pay for that. We pay for these politicians. And there's no law in the books, obviously, because I don't think Mandelson has any slaps on the wrist for doing what he did. So they'll do it again and continue, obviously. That's just the way it is, folks. That's how the world really works, pretty privately. But anyway, this article, too, is quite interesting. It says, Senator Warren rips Ben Bernanke and other financial regulators over two big banks, as they call themselves, too big to fail. And it says here that... Um, it says, all Americans need to watch this, and I'll put the link up tonight. It says, we look at our present destruction when we will understand who the, the haters are. They hate all of us through the course of recorded history. It says, um, Bernanke is, is not in one iota going to change his policies. If he does, then the whole thing goes down. Also, his big bank pals will have him terminated. It's too late now. The economy cannot survive uh, without continual QE. Protection for this is hard assets like gold, silver, or land. And this guy goes on to say, this, this um, senator says, I have cash in the bank. I've seen 95% cash for eight years running since 2005 when I saw the real estate crash coming. He says, I'm not a financial genius, but I saw what was going on in the real estate and it was not going to last. The whole mortgage swindle was, an, was as obvious as the nose of my face, so I sold and I'm glad I did. Too big to fail has meant for me having to sit back and watch this Fed steal from the value of what I've made throughout my lifetime to keep these bankrupt bankers afloat. Bernanke is devaluating my retirement with all his free money for the banks. It's theft, and he's not saving the economy. 
And then they go into, of course, a dialogue about what they can do and so on. But the fact is, he's quite right. It's quite Senator Warren. This is, this is what you said. Because uh, these guys get together like a big gang, because they've been in it for, at it for a long time at the top. And they knew what they were going to do down the road. If you want to get austerity through for the world, which means big bucks for these big guys across the planet. And they're, they're private. Remember, the Fed number is private. If all central banks are privately owned. And they're, they're going to use the whole world, not just the country. And new lot is, is the, is the, basically the guys who back up all the loans and so on. The whole world is, is their oyster now. And so when they crash the banks at home, they're not losing abroad. They've got, they've got the whole future worked out. And after all, they didn't lose anything at home because the taxpayers end up in bigger debt, which is better for the bankers. Now they've got more generations who have to pay that debt off. Fantastic. It's a good strategy. They lost nothing. They gained a lot. And the strategy is to bring in Agenda 21, as we know, austerity. How are they going to get you to austerity unless they devalue the dollar? And until you can't afford all the extras and so on that you used to get. Can't do it. Everything's going up, of course, because the, the dollar is getting devalued. In Britain, it's the pound has been devalued. And these guys run the economies of all. I mean, all these big bankers are, are, are basically in the big gang together across the planet. They have to be. They talk to each other every day to do with foreign exchanges and everyone else. They all know each other. They all meet with each other. And they meet with the World Bank. I've read the, the Bank for International Settlements. They meet every month. And uh, they discuss the future for themselves and how they're running the world. And all the central banking boys go. Quite something, isn't it? Completely different from the, the nonsense you're fed at school, like you live in democracies and you have elected representatives that keep everything fair and above board. Nonsense. You're kept in the dark about everything. But uh, as I say, when you run the, the world and you run a plan for the future, yeah, believe you me, nothing happens by chance like this, like, like crashing banks and, and millions losing their homes across the world, not just in the U.S. This is all planned that way. But it won't change. It won't change. Nothing will change until countries get to, to grips and kick their systems of central, private central banking out. Nothing will change, obviously. These guys are more powerful than your governments because they put the top guys in your governments. Also tonight, too, I'll put up this one here. It's called The Extraordinary Science of Addictive Junk Food. And it's quite interesting uh, about how it really, really works. And it's, um, it's from a guy who was a chemist in the junk food industry. And he made, his, he made his money for years and then started to see the obesity and then all the children and the sickness and so on. And he starts letting the cat out the bag of, of how the big boys, and he names all the names of the big companies, what they put in their foods and so on to make them addictive. And, it's, and how many chemicals and the kinds of chemicals that they put in, into their food to make it so. And of course, the health effects it has on the, the general population. So I'll put this up tonight too for those who uh, are interested in it. Because very rarely you get anybody from the inside coming out and admitting it. Now, as things get more and more ridiculous, and, and things are getting ridiculous, I mean, I, I keep going back to King James. King James, when he was in power in Britain, he brought out uh, what was called the, the light tax or the, the window tax. Some they call it the fresh air tax. But basically, the idea was to tax every home according to how many windows it had. 
And that's why in Britain, in some of the very old houses you'll still see to this day, you'll see certain ones are bricked up. You'll see the shape of the, where the different bricks are put in there because folk didn't, couldn't afford those taxes. Today it's no different with the CO2 scam. You see, you tax on the air you breathe. And I'll read an article about that when I come back from this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, we're cutting through the matrix and talking about the insane taxes, but again true to bring it to austerity, as I said before, all your, your spending money would go to fees and taxes and so on, and essential items like food, fuel and so on, that's what, that's the future that's planned for you all. And it'll get crazier and crazier as we go along. Years and years ago, I talked about uh, the, the coming system where literally they'll tax, they'll tax you for riding a bike or, or jogging. Because you're putting out more CO2. And here it is. And it says, um, the tax, the right to tax bicyclists for exhaling CO2 when they ride, says a, a Washington rep. Taxing the air we breathe may be coming to Washington state. Yes, the insane taxing of every behavior is rising to a whole new level with the proposed bike tax in Washington. According to lawmakers who proposed the bike tax, it would help raise a million dollars over the next decade to be used for road maintenance. The new $25 tax would be applied on every bike sold for over 500 in the state. One Washington, I guess folk who could afford the, the more expensive bikes, or the guys who need to pay more, maybe they put more CO2 away. <laughs> One Washington lawmaker is being twisted, has twisted his argument in support of the new free rep is Ed Orcutts, who wrote in an email to a bike shop that the CO2 that bicyclists exhale while riding is just one of the reasons he supports the bike tax. He says, since CO2 is deemed a greenhouse gas and a pollutant, bicyclists are actually polluting when they ride or cut roads. Therefore, they should pay taxes to help the environment as well as the roads. I mean, this is how mad they, they go, you know, you know. I mean, how can you let folk like this? You know, how can you? They're nuts. They're, they're just crazy. Or do you like them, really? Yeah. Do you really? I wonder. But, I mean, this is where it's going. And, of course, and that, if that goes through, you could do the same on, on people who are athletes or just joggers or certain nocturnal, you know, things that folk do. But the thing is, everything will be taxed. Everything will be taxed. Just for existing, you're going to be taxed. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. Now, the, the Mail Online always puts up big headlines that, that are scary, of course, because no one reads things that aren't scary. And sometimes they go overboard and so on. But uh, there's definitely a massive immigration problem in Britain. It has been since, God, since about the... 1970s really, as the floodgates were opened, because that was the agenda. That was the big agenda with the political parties. And this idea of a European Union was supposed to allow people to travel from country to country and get jobs that they applied in, in different countries without having to apply for visas and all the rest of it. The kind of open border idea. The same thing eventually is supposed to come to the US and Canada and Mexico, but there's so much trouble in Mexico. With, with the drug gangs and so on, it hasn't, they're still working on it, though. They've signed lots and lots of agreements on it. But anyway, it says Romanians and Bulgarians snap up 175,000 jobs in the UK already, it says, and that's before the borders have even opened. Now, what they're talking about is a mass influx that came in over the years, uh, out of these countries that literally were left in poverty, utter dire poverty conditions after the Soviet Union was, went down. <laughs> 
And uh, for some reason, they all head for Britain. And if you were there too, you'd do the same thing because, as I say, the Soviet, the guys who ran the Soviet Union had lots of, it didn't just fall the Berlin Wall. The guys at the top all knew when to leave. And they left with billions and billions of dollars from every one of these countries. They looted the countries, the guys who ran the Politburo's and so on, and left the countries absolutely devastated. And, and the folk has, still have no cash yet in, in a lot of these countries. It's just terrible. Anyway, it says more than 250,000 Romanians and, and Bulgarians have already come to Britain. 175,000 of them have been given national insurance numbers and the work, work restrictions are set to be lifted next year. And it's just more than a quarter of a million Bulgarians remains have come to Britain over the past five years, even before the job market is fully opened to them. Uh, it's crazy because there's not even enough jobs in Britain. I mean, everything's shutting down there too, as everywhere else. It's about half that number were allowed in as farm workers in short-term contracts, and thousands more got permanent posts. In total, more than 175,000 national insurance numbers were handed out to workers from the two countries. The remaining 75,000 people settled here with their families. And it says, um, what they're estimating, whether it's true or not, says we're heading even closer to the estimate of 425,000 Romanians and Bulgarians, which is a number I simply don't believe this country can cope with, said the Tory MP for Kettering. And since Romania and Bulgaria joined the European Union only in 2007 and were not given immediate access to all jobs and services in Britain. But updates, uh, statistics published by the Home Office last week show that between 2007 and 12, a total of 262,929 applications to work or remain in Britain were approved for Bulgarians and Romanians. And there's another article too on the same topic to do with the, the Romanian uh, politicians met with Cameron, the, the Prime Minister of Britain. Uh, and and they agreed, and Cameron had agreed, because the, the EU government, understand Britain now is, is a province of the EU. It's not the top uh, sovereign country that used to be. And so the EU government told Cameron, because they've all signed all these agreements, that they have to let them all in and, and give them all the status for welfare recipients, housing, and so on, all the subsidies they need. So, I mean, Britain is designed to crumble. You understand that. This is the whole agenda. It's designed to utterly collapse. And as I say, you can't blame the people who are trying to flood out to the countries that have already been devastated with the, by, by this old Soviet system. But the fact is, Britain's sunk already. It'll never escape the hellhole it's in now of, of massive debt, incredible debt. Unless it tears it all up and starts to grim. That's what they should all do. All countries should tear up their debt and start from scratch with their own government bank, with the people that are elected every year from the general population to oversee it all. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're cutting through the matrix. And what a matrix it is, isn't it? It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Here's another crazy article, too. It says, Italy is paralyzed as Grillo plots exit route from Euro. Now, Grillo is the, the head of the Five Star Party. I think they call themselves a political party over there. He was a former comedian. 
And uh, but anyway, so suggested that the country may have to abandon the euro and return to the lira. He says they've got two, I think, two trillion dollar debts left in Italy for the size of their population, which will never pay off. And he says it like it is. This is 127% of gross domestic product. That's what they're paying out right now. It's the highest in the eurozone after Greece. Right now we're being crushed, not by the euro currency, but by the debt, he's told Focus Weekly News magazine. When interest payments reach 100 billion euro a year, we're dead. There's no alternative. Well, this is supposedly run by the, the whole world, supposedly, you think, if you went through your university and economics and so on, is run by the most intelligent guys who know this science of economics, which is all baloney, of course, because it's all a big con at the top. What's happening here is exactly what was planned back in the 1920s when they set up the Bank for International Settlements. It was set up, remember, by, by the Royal Institute for International Affairs that's also set up the League of Nations and the United Nations for the world government. And so they had, the, they had a big plan to, to set up the Bank for International Settlements and all the private central banks are underneath that. So they, 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 they're, even they're private, they take their leadership from the BIS in Switzerland and Basel. It's all happened the way they wanted it to happen. And the reason it was set up, by the way, was because during the, the, the Depression in the 20s, it says this would stop it from happening again. They've got the whole world now in, 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 in the whole, the massive hole of debt, the whole darn world. By design, and every time, and, and, and every country gets together with politicians, and it always seems that the answer is to give more power to the same bankers that have sunk you all. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that? Don't you think there's something wrong here going on here? Something else going on, perhaps? Of course there is. Also, to try to ban uh, firearms in the U.S. It's quite interesting. It's, it, I mean, people can't do without their TV eh, and their movies and that because it's got a great role to play in culture creation. But it says, uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo and le- legislative leaders may exempt film producers in New York from this the stringent assault weapons ban passed last month. Cuomo and Assembly Speaker Sheldon Silver from Manhattan told reporters at Wednesday that the state is not expected to make major changes to gun control laws adopted January 15, but they could amend the law so Hollywood productions are exempt from the assault weapons ban because they fire more, more blanks in, in, in one movie than they fire in the whole World War II in real rounds. And they've got to make sure the upcoming children uh, that'll end up in the military still fighting wars in the future. They've got to make sure they get all their, their heroes given to them as they go slaughtering across the planet for the next generation, for the bankers. So that's when they're going to get them exemption. But they do the same thing in Britain, too. And the BBC has all the, the toys there when they want to give scary stories across to the public in their terrible, terrible homegrown productions. Also, talk about homegrown. Mr. Holder is now into, again, re- every year they reiterate who the terrorists are at home. The threat of homegrown terrorists is more widespread, says, says Holder. So the U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder has worries at night about whether or not we have all done we can to ensure that every threat has been adequately examined and we put up our defenses in appropriate ways. So, yeah, I still go to bed worried at night, he says. Claims that with Al-Qaeda more widespread, you know, it's this bogus, scary you know, Al-Qaeda, you know, uh, like Goldstein and, and Orwell's 84, that seems to be everywhere. It says the threat of homegrown terrorism is more palatable than before. It says core Al-Qaeda doesn't have the capacity that it once did, but now it's metastasized and in a number of ways. It's, it's like, you know, shape changers or something. It says we now worry about the, the nodes of Al-Qaeda 
Al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula, Al-Qaeda now in Africa, Al-Qaeda in Iraq. They don't have it in Alaska yet. You know, it's just the threat is more widespread in terms of where those people are and where those significant people are. That's how it's different now, it says. Another concern of holders that Americans are becoming complacent. Can you believe this? About terrorist activity in the U.S. They've had nothing but this regimentation since 2001. Terrorists under the bed. Regardless of the successful sting operations followed by the Federal Bureau of Investigations, which they, they all set up themselves. They wouldn't even have had anything happening unless they, they started the sting. Holder points out, I worry a little that the American people from the general population has become a little complacent that we don't understand or realize that the threats are still real and the danger is out there and it's still tangible and that we should, we should be more vigilant or, or as vigilant as we need to be. Fear-mongering about potential bogeymen lurking within the U.S. must be as strong as a concern for a bunch of people in caves or some part of the world. Holder goes on to say we have to be concerned about the homeland to the same extent that we are worried about the threat coming from overseas. I mean, if you went overseas, the threat's coming from the U.S. I mean, where else are all the U.S. troops coming from? And it says the FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force have indicated to owners of gun shops and gun ranges the U.S. government's new definitions of domestic terrorists that coincide with their demonization of U.S. veterans and propaganda claims that domestic terrorists are more of a threat than their manufactured insurgent groups like Al-Qaeda and the Free Syrian Army. According to a paper entitled uh, Challengers from the Sidelines, Understanding America's Violent Fire Far Right, published by Combating Terrorism Center, a think tank at the West Point U.S. Military Academy, <laughs> that the far-right anti-federalist and groups that support civil activism, individual freedoms, and self-government are dangerous as racist white supremacy movements and an, are an anti-federalist movement and a fundamentalist movement. So it's all the far-right, whatever the far-right happens to be. The paper asserts that Islamic extremists are coercing populations in the Middle East, Africa, and Asia to assist them in gaining power with the purpose of overthrowing the U.S. government and its allies. And the document states that these espouse strong convictions regarding the federal government, believing it to be corrupt and tyrannical with a natural tendency to intrude on individual civil and constitutional rights. Finally, they support civil activism, individual freedoms, and self-government. Extremists in the anti-federalist movement direct most of their violence against the federal government and its proxies in law enforcement. Then it goes on and on and on with its, its, its prattle. To read it, actually, you think it came from a communist. But the guys at the top... You know, they had a lot to do with communism, but they really are not communists at all. They certainly use it when necessary, and they did. Also tonight, too, the global cooling page. Very interesting page, this. It's got the Gore effect in it and different ones like that. And heaviest snowfall of the century hits Moscow. Climate consensus and freefall. Temperature standstill continues. And, uh, and, and so on and so on. And, and all the records for the year, too, across the world for freezing uh, is quite interesting as well. I'll put all these links up tonight for those who who want to watch it. The Global Cooling Page is called. And also, this scandal with Britain has gone on for oh, decades and decades, actually, with, with sexual abuse towards mainly young boys and so on. And I've mentioned before the, the, the particular um, house in London that they were using to do, uh, it was run as a, like a, not a, a hotel exactly, but it actually started off as if this place, all the scams or, 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 or things were happening at with the homosexual abuse with VIPs coming in 
It was actually started off uh, for, for homosexuals who had no homes. It was started off with that initially. And then it was taken over by new owners, and they, they, they used it like a kind of motel-type deal. But all the VIPs were going... They've got all the lists of all the top names, these VIPs in Britain. There's lords and everything involved. And it says, um, a VIP pedophile ring. The neck closes ex-Tory chief, that's conservative chief, faces child sex arrest over claims a girl was raped and boys were abused. And the probing a former cabinet minister, uh, the notorious pedophile Sidney Cook, Jimmy Savile, and MP Cyril Smith. Now, the last time they had the big investigation years ago about that, uh, it was handled and then dismissed with all the evidence by the same guy, McAlpin. McAlpin did it the last time, too, recently. He covered for that one, too. Anyway, it says police are preparing to arrest a former Tory cabinet minister after a woman came forward to claim she was raped by him as a girl. And then detectives also were investigating claims that he abused boys. We can reveal the former minister is suspect of being a part of a VIP, very important person, pedophile ring that was regularly handling boys by child rapist and killer Sidney Cook for vile sex orgies. The former high-ranking MP, who we cannot name, is under investigation by Scotland Yard's paedophile unit. And so she's close to the probe, gave details of the new allegations to the Sunday Mirror and investigative news website, Exaro. A former detective who worked on the original investigation to Cook told the Sunday Mirror that the minister was amongst those alleged to have been photographed in a 1986 police surveillance on premises where boys had been dropped off. They were taking them from boys' homes. Children's Aid was involved in it too taking these, these, these boys off, drop them off to be buggered by these guys. That's literally what you call it in, in, in the legalities. There's a name for it, by the way. And um, others allegedly included Jimmy Savile and the Member of Parliament Cyril Smith and top judges, though none of them were ever arrested. Now, the fact is, I've already read articles on this, where MI5 knew of all this thing all along. They watched this going on because, see, these guys then were all blackmailable. They didn't, they, they, you know, MI5 didn't stop it, but they were watching this for years. And they'd get the police to lean on people who came forward with complaints to scare them off. It was very important to MI5 at the time. Either that, or those guys up in MI5 that are part of it too, obviously. And you understand the ones at the top don't go by the same rules and regulations or even morals that you think you go by. They, they have no such qualms about anything at all that might be, be abhorrent to you. But it's just astonishing this is going on and on and on. And and nothing will happen. Nothing will come of it. Because there's too many very important people involved in it. And these, these groups, these pedophile groups are international. They've got the same scandals going on across the countries of Europe. International pedophile rings of very important people. Very wealthy people, powerful people. Uh, and also this one too, I'll just touch on this one, to do with tuna. I mean, first you've got the horse meat scandal. Actually, there's nothing wrong with horse meat. It's, it's better meat than you've been, the junk you've been eating for a long time, because you don't know what you've been eating for a long time. It, it's all the junk that normally got thrown out. And, and then they, they, they put it all together and mix it all up, reconstitute it, they call it, and call it meat. But uh, same thing now with the tuna. First horse meat trading now, 59% of tuna sold in the U.S. isn't tuna. 
It's the latest uh, revelation in the stealth inflation and food fraud theme. It says here, the non-profit group Oceana took samples of 1,215 fish sold in the U.S. and genetic tests found that the 59% of those labeled tuna were mislabeled. It's got the whole graph on here too. seems that white tuna should be avoided in particular as 84% of fish samples labeled white tuna were actually escolar, a fish that can cause prolonged, uncontrollable, oily, anal leakage. There you go. And it says, and if you live in the hometown of New York City, you should pay particular attention. It says, the big oil happens a problem with seafood fraud. 94% of tuna and more than three quarters of sushi samples in New York City are mislabeled. Of the 142 fish sampled collected in New York, 39% were mislabeled. New York City led the nation with the highest occurrence of mislabeled salmon, as well as the highest amount of fraud among salmon collected from grocery stores and restaurants. And the full, the full article uh, can be found on the same page. It's a link to it. I'll put that up tonight as well. And as I say, nothing ever changes when the big boys make their plans, you understand? No matter how absurd it sounds. It's absurd because there's no reason to it. You're trying to use logic and, and you keep getting frustrated about it. It's not meant to be logical. It's a different agenda under every other agenda. Agenda 21 has a, a much bigger reason for being there than what they tell you. It's imperative for them to get Agenda 21 through for the eugenic side of it, for depopulation side of it, to, to get uh, the end of private property for all the general population and get them into these private rented places. Big, big, you have big, big chains of uh, landlords who own all the chains across the world, just a few of them. And there'll be no private vehicles too. Anyway, the European Commission announces full engagement for Agenda 21. On February 27th, uh, the European Commission published a document announcing it will take on itself the lead role in global environmental governance through a unified policy framework, in effect, aligning itself with Agenda 21. The 30-page document titled A, Dec- a Decent Life for All. Uh, it's so Orwellian, isn't it? A Decent Life for All, and I've got a link for that too. The, the EC that says... That's the European Commission, these new Soviets, said it aspires to a leading role in an overarching framework towards global governance. The commissars profess to care about worldwide poverty, environmental degradation and other no-brainers, carefully handpicked by an elite class prepared to use any and every pretext behind which power is being centralized at the international level at the expense of sovereignty at the national one. The world has undergone enormous changes of recent years, the document reads, including major shifts in global economic and political balance, increased global trade, climate change and depletion of natural resources, technological change, economic and financial crisis, which these guys are in charge of all of this stuff, (laughs) increased consumption and price volatility of food and energy consumption, population changes and migration, violence and armed conflict and natural man-made disasters, and increased inequalities. Quite some parade of calamities the EU is willing to tackle. A lead role is what they work towards, the author's state, and the EC commissars are willing to debate their plans with the European only name Parliament. A few exemptions aside, this Parliament consists of nodding, dozing, sometimes outright sleeping individuals who are, who are there to approve the Commission's proposals and send their lunch bills to the European taxpayer. Now remember, this is not a, uh, it's not a democratic system, the EU Parliament. The commissioners at the top make the laws. The executive bunch make the laws, make all the plans and the laws. And the politicians, politicians down below are allowed to argue them, but they can't change them. 
and they can't stop them getting passed. So it's, it's not a democratic system. And remember, the U.S., Canada, Mexico, and the rest of Latin America, under the North American Free Trade Agreement, have eventually to come into the same system as the European one. Remember, getting back to the Club of Rome, they said that democracy wouldn't work. You need an authoritarian uh, system. Oh, it's already here, folks. It's already here. Also, Tonight, too, is to do with the paedophile ringleader Colin Peters linked to Barnes scandal again in Britain. Key figure behind one of the UK's most extensive paedophile rings allegedly abused boys at the same guest house where influential businessmen and leading politicians, including Sir Cyril Smith and former cabinet minister, are said to have procured boys for sex. The Elm guest house is currently at the centre of a police investigation named Operation Fernbridge. Colin Peters, a foreign office, that's for the government barrister or lawyer, was allegedly a regular at the Elm Guest House in London, where it's claimed children from care homes were trafficked before being mistreated by well-connected people in the early 1980s. In 1989, Peters was jailed for being part of a sophisticated network of people who molested hundreds of children, some as young as 10. Peters' conviction followed a year-long investigation named Operation Hedgerow, which recorded 650 offences against 150 boys. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're cutting through the matrix and talking about the abuse system, which is part of their lifestyle, apparently, the, the rich and famous at the top, and the kind of guys that run your countries and so on. Anyway, it's, it's on about what happened at Elm uh, Guest House, they call this place where they brought young boys from homes and the children's aid were involved in supplying them too. And they were, they were prostituting them, some as young as nine and ten years old to these wealthy guys, and also flying them off to Holland, which is, has its own investigations into a lot of this stuff going on right now, too. And Holland's big in this kind of thing. And uh, it's astonishing with these worldwide pedophilia, and, and how they were covered up by important people for years, still are, by the way. And it says that, the, say, Colin Peters, the Foreign Office lawyer, was allegedly a regular at the Elm Guest House in London, where it was claimed that all this abuse went on and so on. And it says, um, they've only scraped the surface, said the police. It says, in both cases, children claimed they were trafficked to Amsterdam and abused. Hedgerow detectives heard allegations that boys were rented out at a VIP brothel. And one Elm guest house victim said he'd also been trafficked to an Amsterdam brothel where he was abused by a prominent politician. And, and I know who the politician is. And other ones, of course, over in Amsterdam know that too. Who they are. I've read the name a few times over the past months. Richard Gasper, a former detective inspector who was part of the Hedgerow team, confirmed that Grafton Close, one of the care homes, care homes, is, we're living in a well in world, eh? For where the children were allegedly procured for the Elm Guest House, featured in their investigation. He had, there were suggestions that boys were taken to Amsterdam, but we didn't have time to investigate it, he says. We just didn't have time. It wasn't important enough, I suppose, eh? Anyway, it says, it was understood that Peter's presence at the Elm Guest House has been alleged by various sources. One who didn't want to be named said he was named by a number of boys who claimed they were abused. So this goes on and on and on, and the big boys will just cover it up. Also in Article 2, it says, was uh, Carol Kazir murdered? And this is the woman, uh, Carol, her real name is Carol Weichmann, born in Germany around 43. 
but apparently she got married to a guy from Pakistan, I think, and they, they ran the guest house. But anyway, it's thought that um, it's possible that uh, she was killed, actually. And it's true enough that uh, it was someone in the children's aid. That's where they found the computer and then list of all the people who attended this guest house to procure the wee boys and so on. Uh, so uh, she was killed anyway. You know, I even read recently the guy, her husband, uh, is now heading towards the States to live. I guess he's, he's been brought over by the big boys at the top too for to do the same thing there. And also too, this article says police failing to put to, puts dozens of children at risk from notorious paedophile ring, it says here. And uh, again, with the guest house, established as a refuge for homosexuals in the 70s, but soon became a place where men had sex with young prostitutes. And later, allegedly boys and girls from the now closed Grafton Close Children's Home in nearby Hounslow. But as I say, the FBI were watching this place. They were filming what was going on and who was coming in and out for years and years and years and years. And there's something more to all of this. Was it just for blackmail purposes for important people to make sure that they passed the right kind of bills and government and so on? When they were voting? Was it something else involved? Something something much bigger, I think, involved in all of that. Also, the BBC uses the license fee. Everybody has to pay a license over there for the privilege of watching their their, their indoctrination. Uh, To gag its staff. This is broadcasters accused of corporate bullying to bid to buy the silence of alleged sexual harassment victims. And they've threatened 20 former staff uh, not to whistleblow because they signed contracts about the, and they're going to whistleblow because of all the sexual abuse they saw going on there too. These are the people in charge of your countries and your propaganda folks. You know, and the, the, the rubbish you watch on television that degrades you. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. May your God of your gods go with you.